Do you like feeling good? Well, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Positive Thinking, the podcast created to uplift and encourage you while giving practical tools to keep Christ at the center of your life. Like a painter dips his paintbrush in vibrant colors to color a painting, you can come here to be reminded that you are redeemed, filling your world with a kaleidoscope of biblical principles. Here to bless you, welcome your host, an author, retired naval officer, CEO, and Christ follower, Mrs. Colorful Day herself, Jasmine Baker. All right, you guys, I am super excited to come on today. Boy, do I have an awesome word for you. We are going to jump right in. We are not going to hold back. We're just going to take the reins off this thing because I've been meditating and asking God questions concerning you and what he would have you to know on today and to munch on throughout the weekend. So I'll be coming completely out of like multiple scriptures. So you're going to have to stay with me on the day. You're going to have to keep up. It's not going to be in slow motion. I'm just going to hit you with it, let you have it and move forward throughout your day. And I want to remind you guys to when you take in the word, if it is changing you and bringing life to you, come on, do your due diligence and give that word to someone else. Because the Lord said that he would have us to be disciples of men. He wanted us to go out and be fishermen, to bring people into him. So don't just sit and get all fat off the word for yourself that you're receiving. I want you to go out there. I want you to give that word to someone that might feel hopeless, someone that might need encouragement on today. So we're going to jump right in. If I had to title today's topic, I would title it caution, trip hazard. I will title it caution, trip hazard. Now I'm going to be coming out of multiple scriptures on today. I'll be coming out of first Kings. 15, 32 to 37. I'll also be coming out of Exodus 20 and 3. And I'll also be coming out of 2 Kings. And I'll be like in multiple different places as I start to build this backdrop to what it is that God is speaking to us on today. I'll be making two quick points on today. And for those of you who are wondering why is she only making two points rather than three points, but I chose to make two points on the day specifically because when I prayed on it, the Lord uses the number two to symbolize balance. So we'll just be making two points. And I believe if you begin to, to grab onto these two points that I provide you on today, it's going to carry you in balance in this season that God has now launched us in. And for those of you who are just joining on and you're like, what is she talking about? The seasons go back to podcasts before this. And I begin to speak a prophetic word on how God is starting things from small. Yes. Right now in the middle of what's going on in the economy, what's going on in your life. God is still high and lifted up and he desires to bless. And I'm giving you that reminder and letting you know that there's an open heaven and an open window above the people of God. How many of you know that we will never go begging bread? That God, he has a cattle on a thousand hills for us. He, our father, God has uh, many mansions for us. So there's nothing that we need to be worried about in this season. And if you feel that you are 
feeling like down or in a state of fear. I can even come against that as we begin to launch into this podcast because we know the promises of God. And I, I said that two podcasts ago, and I'll continue to hinge on it over and over again that the promises of God are what? They're yes and they're amen. That means you have access to those promises if you're living the life that God that's pleasing to God, that he requires of you. And that kind of allows me to take that as a launching point into what I'm going to teach today concerning the blessings of God as he blesses you in this new season, because he said that he's going to bless your seed while it is yet in the barn house. He's going to bless you. He's going to start from a small beginning. But as he begins to launch you from glory to glory, that means he's going to take you on these levels of growth. It's not just going to stay small and it's going to continue to reign with abundance in your life. Now, in order for you to be able to catch hold of that and to be able to stay grounded in the midst of a blessing, how many of you know that sometimes God begins to bless us because it is God who blesses us. The word of God is clear. That's not my word. That's God's word. He says, He makes our efforts a success. So I can do all that I know to do. But if God doesn't say yes to it, if God doesn't open the door to it, then I'll just be working idle. I'll just be working unto myself. But when God says, you know what? I'm going to bless that effort that you did. I'm going to bless your hands when you do that. Then that is where you start to step into what I call the faith zone. And God, he, he often operates there and, and I'm excited about it. And when I say I'm excited about it, I am so excited about it as I begin to listen to my fellow prophets. And there's multiple ones, although I'm stationed here over in the middle of the Pacific, but I have multiple brothers and sisters in the prophetic that are operating and there are in an alignment with saying the same thing. They're not getting distracted in this hour with what they see, but they are seeking God's face. How many of you know that when we seek God's face, he shows us the things that we consider a mystery. He will unveil those secrets to you and it gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of peace. And it also anchors you in the middle of a situation. How many of you know we can use some anchoring right now? I know I can. I love the fact that I can anchor in God when things are not going the way that I would want them to go or even the way that maybe some people have prayed it for me to go. And God is saying, no, daughter, that's not for you. This is what I have for you. And I'm going to keep you anchored in the midst of the storm. That is what we need in this hour, because I'm going to be uh, just frank with you. And I'm going to get to the word. So just 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 be be patient. There there is virtue and patience. I'm trying to to deliver you something and paint a picture for you and also allow you to step into um, the the your get more clarity on what it is that God is is trying to get to you in this hour. But how many of you know that oftentimes as we begin to experience the awesomeness of God? I'm saying the true awesomeness of God, meaning that you can look around and you can see him just just raining favor all over you. We have to make it a point to not allow our pride to get in. And and I'm going to tell you, after a season, after season, after season, after season and living in a lifetime of favor, it is not easy. You have to check your pride I say check it at the door, but even I don't even want to say that. I want you to put that thing under the blood. I want you to to bind that spirit of pride and begin to move in humility with God because no pride can be in the presence of of God if we're trying to go into the secret places of God. And and I'm going to go ahead and launch right into 
the word of God. And, and this particular backdrop is going to show you how pride comes before the fall, how pride comes before the fall. And we, pride doesn't discriminate. Pride, pride doesn't say, oh, I'm going to only attach myself to this or to that. Pride, it, it can hit any and everybody. Pride will wake up and knock on your front door just to see how you're going to respond. If you're going to allow that pride to separate you from the love of God, I decree and declare in this season, in this hour, as you begin to see yourself in Christ, as you begin to see yourself in Christ, and as you begin to come and step with clarity into your identity, that you will not get tripped up on a technicality called pride. How many of you know that a lot of the times people get tripped up on technicalities and I'm going to go into more detail on on this what I mean by a technicality because oftentimes we can live a life that's pleasing to God but still give way to Satan to operate in particular areas of our life yeah I said it I put it right on out there for you I'm not going to hold back today I'm going to go straight in and do the work so that you can have fruit that stay in this season one thing that it, it, that bothers me the most is to see someone with so much potential, but they just keep getting tripped up on technicalities, tripped up on what I call the little things, the little foxes. That's what the word of God says. It's the little foxes that cause us um, and wreaks havoc in our lives. Because see, what happens is when you don't check that technicality, then the enemy feels that, okay, they left the light on for me. You guys know, I don't know if you ever saw the, uh, Motel 6 commercial. The Motel 6 commercial was very, very uh, funny to me because it says, we'll leave the light on for you. That means that no matter where you at, no matter what time you come in, 24 hours of the day, we'll leave the light on for you. So you'll see us, you can come over here. And that's how I like to look at a technicality. The technicality is one of those things that says, you know what? I'm leaving the door open. And when you say, I'll leave the door open, Satan feels that he can come in and wreak havoc. And, and let me tell you, he don't just come in, he tip in. And when he tips in, he has a plan to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy concerning the people of God. That's just his plan. That is who he is. When I think of him, he's an accuser of the brethren. He wants to delay you. He wants to steal time from you. He wants to pull you out of the presence of the father. But how many of you know in this season, not so. It shall not come nigh towards you in this hour because you are going to be made aware. You're going to walk with clarity. You're going to walk being able to apply knowledge and uh, touch into that area of wisdom in your life. You will not be tripped up in this season. You are not like everyone else. You are set apart for royal priesthood. God has a plan for us. And I already told you the awesomeness of serving God is that he gives us these French benefits that really, really bless us. And, and oh, I'm just full today. Let's jump right in. So I'm going to um, jump right into second Kings, second Kings. I'm in second Kings and I'm going to first Begin by reading 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 32 through 37. Verses 32 through 37. For those of you who just jumped on, the title of today's topic is Caution, Trip Hazard. And this first scripture that I'm coming out of is 2 Kings chapter 15, 
verses 32 through 33. Now I'm going to go ahead and read it. And I don't know if you're in the car. I don't know if you're cooking. I don't know what you're doing, but just listen, absorb this word of God. And then when you get a chance, go back, re-listen to it, take some notes and see won't you see how things are connected inside of the word of God, according to your life, because how much, you know, this is a living word. That's what the word of God says. This is a living word and you can take this in this life application to you. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So I'm at verse 32. This is how it reads. Jotham, son of Uzziah, began to rule over Judah in the second year of King Pekai's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 16 years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadak. Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Uzziah had done. But, how many of you say but? But, he did not destroy the pagan shrines where the people offered sacrifices and burned incense. I'm going to go back and read that. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines where the people offered sacrifices and burned incense. He was the one who rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. The rest of the events in Jotham's reign and all of his deeds are recorded in the book in the history of the kings of Judah. In those days, the Lord began to send King Reason of Aram and King Pekai of Israel to attack Judah. When Jotham died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Ahaz began to reign. Okay, now we're going to jump right into this, but first I'm going to give you a backdrop. So right now, basically what we just read is we are stepping into the life of Jotham, who's the son of King Uzziah. Now, a lot of you may recognize the word King Uzziah. King Uzziah um, is very prominent when Isaiah, in the, in the time where Isaiah was prophesizing, you know, to King Uzziah. And, and you, if you could follow me a bit, Isaiah is the one who said in the year that King Uzziah died, it was then that I saw the Lord. Now, it's very interesting to understand the backdrop of why Isaiah said that and then to understand the backdrop of King Uzziah. So I'm going to go ahead and paint this canvas for you. Now, King Uzziah is Jotham's father. Jotham is getting ready to step into reign and it's giving you a quick snapshot of when he stepped into reign. And what happened? Now, the issue here with Jotham is that when we read the scriptures, 15, um, 15 chapters, um, chapter 15, verses 32 through 37, it clearly tells us that Jotham did what was pleasing in God's sight. But, but in, in verse 34, it says, but he did not destroy the pagan shrines where the people offered sacrifice and burnt incense. And that is where I'm going to hinge my teaching on today. But how many of you know when we have the word but, it kind of cancels out everything else you did before. Because now this but is saying, but however, this is this is, this is the shortcoming, all of this. So basically, Jotham did what was pleasing in God's sight. However, his record is now tarnished with what I call a technicality. It's tarnished with what I call a tripping hazard, which is today's title. Everything is great. He's pleasing God. He built the upper gate of the temple, but 
this technicality that he didn't tear down what we call the high places and he allowed them to offer sacrifices and incense to other gods. Now you say, okay, well, well, what's the big deal? Oh, it's a huge deal because in Exodus 20 and three, it God lays out the Ten Commandments. And now we remember that, you know, Moses goes on the mountain, he comes down, he gets the Ten Commandments, etc., etc., etc. He sees the uh, people dancing around, they they're uh, undressed, you know, they got uh, a golden calf, they they just really did it up. So that's the that's what was going on when the the Ten Commandments came down. But what's more important than the backdrop backdrop of the story of the Ten Commandments is what the Ten Commandments said. The first commandment tells us that we should have no other God. We shall worship no other God. That's us. That's them. Because that's the beginning of time to the end of time, because God is what he he's the beginning and the end. So that that statement still applies to us today. I know that I'm right. because, And, and for those that may want to argue with it and say, you know, um, prophet is the, 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 uh, book and um the old testament does not apply to us today because jesus christ came on the scene and and we have the new testament and then i would say i would beg to differ and because jesus christ came to fulfill the law not to do away with the law so everything still applies you just need to understand how it applies so that's why i'm here i'm here to be an oracle of god to help you to understand that i don't want you tripped up on the technicality how many of you know that god doesn't wake up well actually i want to say wake up because he never sleeps or slumbers but he doesn't look down on us and look for a technicality to trip us up on he's a loving god god is love so he's always trying to figure out a solution to help us to be able to stay in his presence. However, however, that's a voluntary effort to follow him. Hello. That's a voluntary effort to follow God. Now with it's interesting because with this particular King, understanding what happened with his father will give you an even better uh, backdrop of what's happening with him. So let's talk a little bit about his father, King Uzziah. I'm glad you asked. Who's King Uzziah? What happened with King Uzziah? We're going to flip over to Chronicles. So I want you to flip over to Second Chronicles chapter 26, and we're going to start right in at Chapter 26, verses 15, and then I'm going to read probably all the way to 22, because this is going to give you some quick clarification on King Joseph's father, So, which is King Uzziah. You got to understand what is happening here, that, that what is happening with this whole, you know, we got Jotham doing a great job pleasing to God. However, he gets tripped up on the technicality. Remember at the start, I said that when I used the Hotel 6, uh, well, Motel 6 uh, symbology to say, hey, they said they would keep the light on for you. At any time, they'll keep the light on for you. You can show up. So with, with King Uzziah's son, the challenge becomes He's doing the things of God. He's serving God. And God states that he's pleased with him. But this technicality by him not tearing down the shrines, not tearing down the high places, still allows them to violate Exodus 20 and 3, which is to have no other gods before them. So basically, these are double-minded people. They double-minded and unstable in all their ways. Yeah, I said it just like that. 
You can't serve two gods. The word of God says that you will uh, love one and despise the other. You cannot serve to God. You have to get your life in order. As God is blessing you, and I already told you, he's going to bless you in this season. He's going to start small. If you continue to serve him, do the things that he's called you to do, um, follow him, he's going to continue to allow that blessing to grow for you. However, as that blessing grows for you, you have uh, rules and regulations that you need to follow. How many of you know the children of God? We don't live haphazardly. We don't wake up every day just doing any and everything and doing what we want to do. That's not how we operate. We're in the world, but not of the world. God has a set of precepts that he requires for us to follow. We don't get to do what we want to do. And I love this story because King Jotham decided to do what he wanted to do. He thought he could do what he wanted to do and there would be no consequences, which leads me to point number two. Now, point number one is pride comes before the fall. Point number two is you can't do it your way and think God's going to bless it. This is not a Burger King mentality when we're dealing with God. And a lot of people come to him thinking that, okay, Lord, I want this. Uh, I want to have it my way. Bless it. It don't work that way. God has a set of rules that we are required and instructions to follow a set of leaders, authority and place that you're required to follow. He didn't ask you if you like them or not. He didn't ask you for your opinion. Now, prayer, prayer is to be able to petition God, talk to God about it. If you got a challenge with it, go to God about it. But I would uh, beseech you, brethren, to make sure you get in your word and understand what you're asking God. Because a lot of us will go to God in prayer, ask him something in prayer that's totally contrary to his word. Okay, you say, prophetess, what do you mean? I'm glad you asked because now I can explain it. We'll, we'll take a, just a basic example, something really, really simple. All right, if God is love, how are you going to come pray to God negative things about somebody else? Sending him out like he's some assassin. He, oh, well, God's going to get you. He's not some dog you can sick on people. It don't work that way. You have to understand his attributes and who he is. So you don't go praying things and asking him things that don't even align with who he is. I.E. you praying for somebody else's husband or husband praying for somebody else's wife. And you know that they marry. How can you? Ask God to violate him when he's a covenant man. He's a principal man. That's what I call God. He's a man of principles. He's he's not going to violate a covenant because of your emotions and how you think he should do something. It don't work that way. So it's useless for you to pray for somebody's husband to be your husband if you know he's a covenant man and he honors marriage. What you need to be praying is that you get yourself in order and that the person you messing with get thee behind me, Satan, so that you don't sin. But what we do is we try to twist the word of God and ask him to bless it. No, life don't work that way. And I told you in these next teachings, I'm going to be teaching at a level that is a little bit high, hotter, higher you know, so I'm, I'm going to need you to eat the whole scroll. I don't need you to stay with me when I'm, you know, professing blessings over your life. And then you start cutting me off when now there's a time for us to make sure that we get the truths of God so that we can keep ourselves aligned to make it through the narrow door. Yeah. 
a narrow door. It says that we need to go through the narrow door. What that lets me know is that if the wide door is going to be a whole lot of people trying to do it their way, trying to bring that Burger King mentality to God, and you're going to find yourself falling short like this king did, King Jotham. He found himself falling short by what? By a technicality. By a technicality, the last thing I want to do is live my life, do all this great stuff, and then have my legacy tarnished because there was some small thing that I forgot to do. No, I'm not going to allow the enemy to have any foothold in my life. And I and right now I decree and declare that you will walk in such a level of an anointing that you will recognize the enemy. And when you recognize him, the word of God says he has to give back to you seven times. Recognize him. Don't get in cahoots with the enemy. You trust me. He's a, he's, he's trickery. He's clever in all his ways. He was clever in the garden when he deceived Eve. He's no different now. He's there to trip you up. You cannot get in cahoots with him. You have to recognize it, turn from it, and go the other way. Don't do a 360. I need you to do a 180, and you need to go in the other direction. The word of God says that we ought to resist the devil, and he will flee. What does that mean to resist the devil? Because I believe if King Jotham had resisted the devil, meaning the devil mindedness that was already in his mind that had been embedded from when he was a little boy. And you say, well, how can you make such a strong statement, prophetess? I'm going to show you how I can make a strong statement that I believe that it was already rooted in him from what he has saw from his father, King Uzziah. Now, let's let's go right into Second Chronicles. I'm in Second Chronicles 26. I'm at verse 15 and I'm reading and he produced machines. We're talking about King Uzziah. So now we're talking about Jotham's father, because you need to understand how this sin was deeply rooted and then came to rear its head in his son's reign. Now, second Chronicles 26 and 15, and he produced machines mounted on the walls of Jerusalem designed by brilliant men to shoot arrows and hurl stones the towers and the corners of the wall his fame spread afar and why for the lord helped him wonderfully until he became very powerful okay i'm going to read that one more time this is now we talking about uzziah uzziah is known because he if you want to to figure out like okay how if i could draw a parallel to to today king uzziah would be equivalent to like um uh Steve Jobs, somebody who is very, very technical for their age, almost a, a genius, if you will. Now, King Uzziah is coming um, in the scene with all these high technical things. Look at it. Verse 15 said he produced machine mounted machines mounted on walls of Jerusalem designed by brilliant men. The Lord says brilliant men. These men are smart. They're full of wisdom. They're full of knowledge in their specialty. Basically, they're innovators. They're pioneers of their time. King Uzziah now has access to them and shows them through his leadership how to, to do all these things. It says they produce these mountain machines on the walls. And even from the towers, they had had machines that could hurl stones so you could imagine at this time these large towers you've seen the movies and they're hurling stones and all types of stuff from the tower walls that was considered very innovative 
for that time frame. That is highly technical for that time frame. Highly technical. So he is producing and getting wisdom and knowledge beyond himself from the heavenlies to be able to be on the cutting edge of uh, technology for his time to the point that this cutting edge technology gives him the, what we call in the uh, business world, the competitive edge. Most people want that. You don't want to be here trying to compete in an industry and you don't have a competitive edge because when you don't have the competitive edge, what happens? Your competitors begin to do better than you. I know that I'm right. I've been in a business industry all my life, whether I've been in a federal government, running my own businesses. The biggest thing that you want to maintain is your competitive edge. And through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and this is why I love being a child of God, I've been able to stay on the cutting edge, fellowshipping with God. He gives you innovative ideas. When you hear us call them witty ideas, he gives us things that people can't just mock up and copy. And the reason they can't copy it because it's authentic from the Holy Spirit. He's dropped it in your spirit in such a way that it's a fingerprint. Now people can go try to carbon copy it and the carbon copy is just what it is. It's a mock-up. It ain't the original. It don't have the same substance and it's not as weighty as the original. But you know what? It's a mock-up. Okay, you say, what are you talking about? You see it all the time. People walk around with fake shoes, fake purses. They would rather have a carbon copy of the real thing to just wait, pray, and ask God, release this to me so that they can get the authentic thing and God will bring it to you with no uh, sorrow. How many of you know when God truly blesses you, it carries no sorrow? Let's get back in with King Uzziah. Y'all got me excited on today. It says his fame spread far and wide. Now you could imagine this. He's on the cutting edge. So he's he's the basic uh, CEO or the president of Apple. He's come up with Apple technology and everybody in the world is using his technology or wanting to figure out how he got that technology. They want to mock it up. They want to copy it. And of course, when people are talking about you, the fame is spreading far and wide, but it tells us for the Lord helped him. For the Lord helped him wonderfully. And I love that word. The Lord helped him wonderfully until he became very powerful. And this is a crucial. This, this lesson is so crucial for you because I told you that small thing that you began to nurture that God said he already blessed when it was in seed form before you even thought to pick it up. Hello. He already put a blessing on it. You just happened to be the person he utilized to bring that blessing into the earthly realm. So now God says, okay, small beginnings. Tell the people that I'm going to bless them. Even in this season, the, the, all those situations, the economy situation, spiritual lack, that stuff is not going to come to you. It's not going to come nigh towards you in this season because I said so. If you continue to walk in my ways and humble yourself, I will continue to heal the land. And come on now, we can all use some land healing. When God is healing the land and pouring down rain in your area and he says it's your turn and it's your time when he marries turn and time up, hello, it's time for you to be a blessing to the world. And when that happens, sometimes an automatic shift takes place. Everybody's progression into the, the success that God has for you. Some is, is different. Some people do it by process. Some people do it. It's an automatic shift. Some people do it. It's overnight. There's all types of things. And I know that I'm right because look at all the different ways Jesus Christ healed when he was in the marketplace. Yeah, I said it when he was in the marketplace. He was in the marketplace. He's healing people. When we say the marketplace, that means he wasn't hanging out in the synagogue most of his uh, tenure when he was ministering. 
He wasn't always at church. He understood that the work was outside of the walls of the church. And he, we call that the marketplace. That's where the real work goes down. That's where the people need the healing. A lot of people aren't going to show up at church to receive their healing. Some people are only going to see God through you. When you walking around, they're going to see God at work. When your boss, boss don't treat you the way you feel you should be treated. And when you bridle your tongue and check your motives and continue to serve them with humility, that is how they're going to to see God because they're going to say, you know what? Wow, I would have did this. I would have did that because that's the world. The world is doing what? It's throwing itself alongside your actions and saying, wow, well, how come that person didn't do that? Hmm, interesting. And they're still living a blessed life. Maybe I need to start to respond like that. You're going to meet some people like that in this season as well. And it is crucial for you to understand that it is God who gives success, that you are a walking Bible for people and people are paying attention to you. People are paying attention to you just like they was paying attention to King Uzziah. Now, I'm at verse 16. It says, but when he had become powerful, he also became proud. This is interesting because the, the first scripture above this said, the Lord helped him wonderfully until he became very powerful. This one is saying, now when he became powerful, well, so we're basically reaffirming the fact that God gave him, the, made his efforts of success. He is now powerful. He became prideful, which led to his downfall. Hello, I said, lesson number one. We're taking two points out of this. Pride comes before the fall. I'm going to read that again. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord, his God, by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the altar. So now he didn't roll up his powerful little self, then rolled up in the temple and said, I'm going to do what the priests do. See, this is what happens when you don't run in your lane and run your race. You start looking at the person in the other lane and you feel like, okay, I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm doing good. And then all of a sudden you so busy concentrated on what they doing. You start trying to do what they're doing coming outside of your lane. How many of you know that when you come outside of your lane, it's detrimental? God, who God calls in a particular lane, you need to understand he qualified them for that. He crushed them for that. He, he, when he, someone's anointed for something particular, don't quickly try to ask for the anointing they have because you might not be able to withstand the crushing that they went to, to have that anointing. And that's why we need to honor people. We need to honor them because you don't know the walk that God took them through to be able to produce that thing. Now let's look back at Uzziah. It says, but when he had become powerful, he also was proud and it led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and he personally burning incense on the altar. Azara, the high priest. Now, come on now. This is the high priest. We, we now get this. Uzziah is now in the temple, not even supposed to be in the temple. The temple was for the priest who had um, cleansed their hands, cleansed their heart. They understood what God had prescribed at that particular time. So I'm at verse 17. Azariah, the high priest went in after him and 80 other priests of the Lord, all brave men. And I, and it's funny because as I was reading this, the Holy Spirit wanted me to kind of caveat this and, and remind you that never think that the man and the woman of God, because they're meek and they're mild in their demeanor, that God don't consider them brave. They just understood that God is fighting the battle for them. 
Don't get it twisted. Do not get it confused because oftentimes people get very confused when you have a person of God that's not like loud and boisterous and doing all these things that the world uh, symbolizes as power. God specifically pointed this out. It says, Azariah the high priest went in after him. So the priest sees him, goes in, goes in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord. So he comes with the other priest looking at this. And God says they were all brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. This is the work of the priest alone the sons of Aaron who are set apart for this work. So you need to understand. See, the sons of Aaron were the Levites. These were the Levitical priesthood were set apart to work in the temple. God had prescribed that. Man didn't prescribe that. And that's what you need to understand. There's some things God prescribes. Man plans, but God orders steps. You need to get that on today. I'm gonna float that as a balloon. You need to get that on today. Hello. Man plans, but God floats as a God. God floats as a balloon. Man plans, but God orders his steps. So we'll float that as a balloon and keep that there so you can keep that on the wall. Now, it says they confronted him and said, it is not for you. They're basically saying, why are you trying to get in our lane and run this race? Get back in your lane. You were doing great in your lane. You were on the cutting edge of innovation. You was doing all that God had you to do in your lane. Why are you in the temple trying to burn incense to the Lord? You know, this is the work of the sons of Aaron who are set apart for this. They're not saying that, that this day agenda. They're basically saying God did this. God prescribed this. You can't just do what you want to do. You are haughty. You can't do that. You can't just come do the work that God has prescribed for someone else. Get out of the sanctuary. They tell him, get out of the sanctuary for you have sinned. Yes, I said it. Get out of that place that does not belong to you. That does not belong to you. You have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. He will not honor you for that. And, and see, what happens is we get all confused because things start going great. We get excited. We start doing all this stuff. And then before you know it, you're trying to walk in someone else's anointing and that he did not give that to you. That belongs to them. And that's what King Uzziah didn't understand. King Uzziah was anointed to be king. He was anointed to rule over the people. As long as he kept God lordship in his heart, on the center of the throne of his heart, the people will listen to you because they hear the Lord through you. That's why it says a sheep will follow no one else. They know his voice. See, when the Lord is uh, on you, resting on you, and you're following him, you are submitted to him, then the people can hear him through you. Now, let's get into verse 19. It says, Uzziah was furious and refused to set down the incense burner he was holding. All right. So they basically tell Uzziah, get out of this sanctuary. You have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Now he's mad because he got a course correction. How many of you know that if God doesn't love you, then he wouldn't course correct you. He's course correcting you because he loves you and he's telling you, you can't do that. A lot of the times when God course correct us, we don't want to listen. We want to tell God, no, I want to do this and you need to bless it. And God is saying, no, I'm not going to bless that. That's sin. And if you keep asking me for that, that's witchcraft. How many of you know witchcraft is when you keep praying something that's against someone's will? 
against their will. They don't want to be saved. They don't want to do that. And you keep going in all these different, that's witchcraft. You can't force someone to do something they don't want to do. You have to allow God to be God and learn how to stay in your place. That's one thing that I've learned. Stay in my place. I can't save you. I can't forgive your sins. I am not the savior. I did not pay that cross. I didn't stand on the cross or lay on the cross and be stretched out wide like our uh, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He did that for me because there was no one in the earth who could do it. So I have to recognize where my power falls off and God's power picks up. I think it's a mature Christian that understands that where I fall off and where God picks up. Now, instead of Uzziah walking out of the temple and laying on his face and saying that he was sorry, this is what he does in verse 19. Uzziah gets mad, mad, and he refuses to sit the incense down. Now, they it's not like they came in and said, put the incense down. You can't touch it. They gave him the prescribed details as to why he couldn't do it. This is what I love about God's people. They will they will sometimes take the time to love on you and say, look, you can't do that because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, because they're trying to mature you. They're trying to get you to understand the mysteries behind certain things and why they occur. I believe that the priests, if it took 80 of them to go in there and they were all brave men, they was ready to, to go to the duel with this thing. They love God to that degree. That's why God prescribed them to serve him. But here we got Uzziah again, trying to get out of his lane, getting ready to get tripped up on a what? On a technicality. On a technicality. He doesn't put down the incense. He keeps holding it, but as he was standing there, because he chose to do his own thing. It says, as he was standing there with the priest before the incense, the altar, but before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. Come on now. Consequence. A consequence for doing it your way. So every time you think you can approach things that's godly, in a worldly stance and say, you want to have it your way. I want you to stop for a minute, take a deep breath. We call it a wusa. Sit back and think of what happened to King Uzziah. King Uzziah went into the temple because he was, you know, powerful in the land. Everybody's listening to him. You know, who's going to go against the king? You know, everybody, I'm sure he was, he was, uh, what I'll call doped up on his own pride. He's doped up on it. He got totally confused when he went in there to burn incense. And whether he did it, because some are, may argue, well, maybe he was doing it because he wanted God to know, you know, who he was that he loved. No, God has a prescribed way to do things. And I can't just come take him on haughty self and tell him, folks, you need to do this. You need to do that. God has a way of doing things and you should follow his order. There's a reason for his order being that way. Now, I find it very interesting as we painted the backdrop about Uzziah. Now you can understand his son in the book of Kings, how his son tore down everything but the shrines and where they could burn incense. So basically, he's, he does everything but this one thing. I'm going to do everything else that you asked me to do, God, but I'm not going to do this one thing. I'm not going to do this. That's pride. That's pride. That's pride saying that, you know what? You'll let me get away with this one thing. And God is saying, actually, I won't. I won't let you get away with it because too much is given. Much is required. That's why we should be cautious on what we act. And I'm and I'm I'm want to hit home with this. You 
have asked God to bless you and he's blessing you. He said, it's going to come by way of small beginnings. And if you stay faithful to it, stay faithful to me first and foremost. I will give you the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding to be able to grow that idea, to turn that idea into a multi, multi billion dollar thing or whatever it is that he's speaking particularly to you. I'm going to turn that thought into um, a book. I'm going to do this for that. It is crucial that you understand that you can't do that by yourself. He has to make your efforts a success and that when he makes your efforts a success, you must not allow pride to get in the way. And when you find yourself in a place where you've made a mistake, you need to be quick to correct yourself like David. When David's sin was brought to him from Nathan, remember when he sinned with Bathsheba and, and Nathan tells him a story about a man who took somebody's sheep, et cetera, et cetera, because I don't want to go there. We don't got a lot of time on the day. He then recognizes when Nathan says that man is you. He then recognizes that, oh my gosh, my sin has found me. And he does what? He falls on his face. We have to get to a place where we are like David, that we stop what we're doing. We do a course correction, ask God for forgiveness. Don't look at the person bringing a message. They're only there trying to help you. God is only utilizing them as a vehicle to get a message to you because he's honoring the prescribed method that he left on the earth. He he's in heaven. He's given us what dominion in the earth. You have dominion. So because he's given us dominion in the earth, he's going to use earthly vessels to do his bidding. So he sends the priest to say, stop it. But don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. This is God full force using the priest to tell you. And not only that, he didn't bring one priest. He brought 80 of them. So if you don't hear this, hear it clearly on today. He brought 80 of them to say, what you did is out of line. Stop. And instead of him dropping the incense, he decided, I'm going to keep on holding it. And when you keep on doing something you know you're not supposed to do, that's called rebellion. That's called rebellion. And what rebellion got King Uzziah was leprosy on his forehead. Where your forehead was marked with the love of God. Now I have to strict you with something to symbolize externally that you have sinned. You have sinned. See, when we have sin that's unchecked, we put the, I call it the closet sin that you just don't want to deal with, that you keep putting to the side. God will give you time to deal with it because he's what? He's slow to anger. He's slow to anger. God doesn't want to throw your sin out there. But sometimes there's a consequence because the wages of sin is what? Death. You ought to be dead. I ought to be dead. But he says, no, Jasmine, I'm going to give you some time to get it right. I'm going to give you some time to get it right. Stop. 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 It's kind of like that mother and father that keep telling their two-year-old, stop. Stop. Don't do that. Ah, ah, ah. We, we, they said, like when my, when my twins were little, I would be like, ah, ah, ah. When I didn't want to tap their hands for doing something, I was like, ah, ah, ah. Don't do that. You know, they, God has all types of ways that he loves on us to get us to get into the, in line with what it is that he has for us. But not King Guziah. So now King Uzziah is in leprosy, has to be separated in the kingdom. So he has this big compound, this big, huge palace. Picture it. Remember, I said, picture it. Immerse yourself in the in the word of God. He's now basically on the West Wing all the way at the end. Can't nobody deal with him because when you're, you have leprosy, you can't be around nobody. So now he can't be around anybody. The um uh, his kingship has now shifted to his son. And that is what we were talking about today, that his son is now in, in reigning. And instead of him looking at what happened to his father, 
recognizing every day God has left a reminder of the sin that your father committed. He has leprosy and you can't see him every day. And this is let this be a reminder to not allow your power to get the best of you because it's not your power. It's borrowed power from God. So now his son's reigning and his son says, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do everything pleasing to you except this one thing. Now, what do you actually think that's going to get him? What did he get his father? It didn't get his father nothing. It got his father a consequence. It got his father a consequence. And now we have Jotham doing the same thing, thinking that he can uh, sidetrack God. I'm going to do all this except this one thing. And now this has disqualified him by technicality. And not only that, if you continue to read further in the scriptures, the, there was another army continuing to attack King Jotham. The reason they're constantly attacking Judah, the, this whole state, is because he's allowed the enemy to come in on a technicality. And I'm sure he's sitting here not wondering, like in, in Kings, why, why does this, why do they keep attacking me? Why does this keep happening? Because remember, he's innovative. Things are going great in other areas of his life, but he's still having people attack him in the other areas because he left the light on for the enemy. He left the light on for him. When he decided that he wasn't going to put those incense and shrines down, I'm talking about the sun now. When he decided, I'm going to do all these other things to be pleasing to God, but I'm not going to do this one thing. He gave segue for the enemy to come in and run a what? Run amok. How many of you know Satan, when he's coming, he's coming to steal, kill, and devour. He's not coming in and just take a little bit. He's coming in to take it all. And that's exactly what he tried to do to King Jotham. It says that, go back to 1 Kings 15 and 32, because now it's going to make sense to you what happened to him. 1 Kings chapter 15, and I'm back at 32. I'll give you a second to get there as I'm flipping there too. Actually, yeah. 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 15, 2 Kings. Now this will, will begin to make sense to you. So Jotham did everything pleasing, but tear down the shrines. It says he began to rule over Judah on the 17th year. Well, wait, let's back up. Um, I jumped down to 16. I didn't mean to be in 16. It, Jotham um, kept experiencing uh, the attacks of the other kings because he had left this door open in his life. And, and that's kind of what I want you to understand on today. We don't want to leave the door open for anything, for anything, for anything. Second Chronicles 27 and six. This is what, this is how it reads because it clarifies um, what happened in first King as well. It says that, however, King Jotham failed to remove the high places so the people continued to make sacrifices to them. Jotham waged a successful war against the Ammonites, resulting in them paying tribute for three years. So listen, he, he wages war in the middle of still having this technicality in his life, what I call the tripping hazard. And now during his reign, the Lord began to send reason king of Aram and Pekai, son of Remali, against Judah. 
during the reign of Jotham's son. So this is constantly happening. They're marching against Judah and, and basically trying to pick fights with Judah. It says during the reign of Jotham's son, Ahaz, that um, they marched in against Judah, resulting in a heavy, um, heavy casualties and a defeat. So my point is this. When we leave the door open like that, it allows Satan to get in into the other areas of our lives and he wreaks havoc. The way he wreaks havoc in Jotham's life because he decided he didn't want to tear down those shrines and he wanted to violate Exodus 20 and 3 where the Lord said he would have no other gods before him. It That technicality allowed him to now be irritated, frustrated and taunted with these other places trying to constantly come in and wreak havoc in Judah. Had he corrected that technicality, then the Lord can rise up against them. How many of you know it's no different than tithes and offerings? It says that when you tithe and you give the tenth to God, that he can rebuke the devourer for your sake, for your sake, because he's God. He's sovereign. He's doing it for you. The, by removing that technicality, it doesn't allow the enemy to come in and take anything from you. I don't want to give the enemy nothing. Zero. Nada. He gets nothing over here. Nothing. I don't want to give him segue into my life. And on today, I'm praying that you understand that we don't want to give the enemy any leeway in our life, any leeway. You don't want to fail to destroy the high places, live a lifetime of doing good and then find yourself falling short in the end game. That's not for us, people of God. God has so much more for us in this particular hour. And I'm closing. So. I love you on today. I'm going to pray us out and I'm going to pop back on um, again, probably within the next 24 hours, because I'm just excited on the new things that God is pouring out in this particular hour. It's a new day and there's great expectation, expectancy that I'm going to God concerning you on today. I love you and gracious Heavenly Father, cover the people, cover them now. Everybody on the side of my voice, but just meet them where they all stand in need of on today. God, we love you. We put you first in our lives, God. If there's anything in high places in our lives, God, we tear them down right now in the in the name of Jesus. We do it voluntarily, God, and we ask that you would let your Holy Spirit go in and have free course in our lives. And until next time, you guys, I want you to be blessed, be blessed and be blessed and know that I love you and that I'm praying for you every day without ceasing. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you joined us on today's episode of Positive Thinking with Mrs. Colorful Day herself, Jasmine Baker. We know you are blessed today, and we'd love to hear about it. Connect with us on social media at Positive Thinking Podcast. 